Welcome to the Seeker Strength Podcast. The Seeker, call it the Seeker Podcast or Seeker Strength Podcast. Seeker Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Murphy. <laughs> 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 okay, with your host, Owen Murphy and Dara Fitz. If you're ever wondering, it's Dara Fitz, but not it's not Fitzwilliams or right, Fitzpatrick. This is gonna have to be cut out. <laughs> okay, get nobody can know. Shh, it's secret. Okay, clap. Boom. Welcome back. To the Seek a Strength podcast. Yeah, that's the name of it. With your host, Owen Murphy. Owen Gurf slash the Irish Fridge. Slash Gurfling. Gurfling Murphy. And Dara Fitz. Or, or Fitz. Or Fot. Fot. Uh, what are we going to talk about today, Gurf? Is it the um, group programming? Group training, yeah. Group training. We're going to talk about teams. group training and putting your phone away while you're on the podcast. I'm going to show you your man, the Japanese fella. Who? Yeah, oh, he's, he'll, he'll, be, he'll appreciate this now. He's very. This he's is why we need to video the podcast because there's yeah. people sitting in their cars now being like, What Japanese guy? So, go Yochi Ito Kazu. He's a 61 kilo Japanese weightlifter. Yeah. And just, um, I'll show you a little video of him doing power cleans there now. Oh, I've seen him. you seen him? I've seen this video. Little, little oh, my God. Powerhouse. Great little lifter to watch. I think everyone could appreciate him. It's very aesthetic technique, isn't it? He's absolutely shredded as well. They all are. Yanked. Oh, my God. Did you see that picture of Lee Sang? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Lee Sang looks like he's made out of, like... Titanium. Paper mache or something. Cut you. His, his whole body's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, today we're going to talk about training in groups. No. Well... Aren't we? Coaching programming for groups oh yeah, teams, yeah, yeah classes yeah maybe if you're a crossfit coach so how to coach a group of people yeah so if you're coaching three or more people yeah what you should do from both perspectives so if you're being coached and you're in the group and you want to get the most out of being in the group or you're the coach and you're like oh no we've never done this before yeah um we'll start with the We'll start with the coach first. Yeah. And then we'll we'll, we'll get to the bit where if you're a member of the, uh, if you're one of the people being coached in the group and you want to figure out how to get the most out of it, we'll get you after. And we're going to run it like a timeline. So if you're in a session, we're going to start with the warm up, then move through kind of your strength exercises, then move to your accessory work and your cooling down. So first of all, if you're the coach. Yeah. Let's start with um, we'll start with a, 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 a let's say a, a typical strength conditioning now because a lot there's a lot of people out there who aren't um, CrossFits, but they're basically CrossFits. Yeah. So I suppose if you're coaching, you've got to decide what you want people to be doing for the next few weeks, realistically. Yeah, and you've have got your to, structure. Yeah, you've got to have a. Ideally, if not a year plan, but a six-month plan. And that, that plan will probably change if you're just open or if you're a gym that's been going for 10 years. Yeah. So if you've just opened, the likelihood is you're almost certainly your members will have a very limited experience or um, exactly zero <laughs> with a snatch and clean and jerk. Yeah. Or any basic squat, deadlift or bench movements, any kind of pressing Probably any kind of barbell movements. Hella. Some of them might have some rudimentary body weight movements. Yeah. Some of them might have had 
previous barbell experience, but almost certainly it's very limited. Yeah, I think a lot of the time you're going to get, so you might get between like 25% and 33% of that group will come in from other gyms, you know. If you're like a CrossFit yeah. or a strength and conditioning gym and you're kind of the only one in the town or you're only one close by, you're going to have a certain proportion of the people are going to be, oh, you opened up, I've been training here, which is 25 minutes from my house. And now this is five minutes from my house, so I'm going to start training here. So you'll get a select group of people with very limited experience, or sorry, a select people group of people with enough experience to kind of handle the setting. But then you are going to have that much larger cohort who are kind of like baby deer staring at the headlights. Um, And I think what most gyms now are doing is like, they'll run a month of of intros so you'll have like mm-hmm. Tuesday and Thursday evening slightly later class and they'll have you'll run that for four weeks and that's like your your on-ramping or your your fundamentals classes and and probably if you're just opening a lot of times people I've noticed and I'm literally not thinking of any in particular <laughs> but they vastly overestimate how good they are when they come to a new gym. Oh my God, yeah. Especially in CrossFit. And I'm not saying it's CrossFit's fault, but it's the people who are sometimes drawn to CrossFit. They they might have done CrossFit for two months and they're like... And I think it's maybe just a human thing when you, you get to the new environment and you're the top dog because you yeah. have literally 4,000 times more percent experience than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you snatching 50 kilos compared to everyone else who can't over squat a bar. Yeah. You're like, either knowingly or unknowingly, you think, oh, I, s- I don't. I'm sorted. I don't need to do classes anymore. <laughs> you know that kind of way. Yeah. So um, it's probably best to do most of your classes as a as an introduction and just treat everyone equal. That way, you kind of if you you're gonna it's gonna make people feel a bit on more even ground and everyone feel a bit more like a team, which is or a community is what you're yeah. going for in CrossFit. So if everyone's doing foundations, regardless people at the start will know you know if you're if you're if you're really like a really good people person and you're really good at kind of spotting how to interact with people yeah you can be like you know if there you've done six months of crossfit like look there i know there i know you've done a lot of crossfit now but it just helps the lads feel better yeah, you know, yeah if you yeah. join in with them you know yeah. even though you know in your head you're like there is the fucking clue <laughs> you know what i mean like and if you're yeah. and then you're like you could also play that in a way whereas if you've a total beginner and you're like look there's a lot of experience now and even like he's doing this and he's going through the basics too so it's really important that you do these basics yeah know? so like at the at the start you're probably doing like six months of probably no slash clean jerk definitely yeah if you've like if you've a majority of a gym population and you just write or like it's not even a gym population but if you have like a team or a squad or a group of lads you you write programming for yeah if they've no never done structured gym work before you won't go near snatches and clean and jerks Absolutely for a not. long time. Um, so if if you are in the CrossFit fight, yeah. So let's say you've done, let's say you've done your six months of push-ups, pull-ups, dips, yeah, strict press, squat and benching. Everyone's learning. Everyone's moving well. They were really, 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 really shallow learning curve. All yeah. of those kind of basic. A lot of times people figure it out by themselves. Yeah. And they're watching everyone else and they're kind of figuring it out themselves. And after six months. So basically, for the first, those six months, it's probably a good idea. So realistically, you'll probably keep a lot of those people. Yeah. And like you'll everyone have a decent maybe people might have gotten to one point two bodyweight back squat or something. Yeah. Maybe the same the deadlift. Maybe like half a bodyweight strict press or something. Maybe. Yeah. 
they can do overhead squats after half an hour warm up. <laughs> you know, everything's yeah, kind of tipping away. You've got basically a population of people that can move around. They're yeah. what in like basic movements in like pedagogy terms you'd call it like they're physically literate yeah so they can move through space efficiently they're reading at a 10 year old level yeah <laughs> yeah yeah realistically like you might have one or two very very talented people in there and you will like you'll always yeah. have a population and then for every really talented person you have or everyone with a lot more experience you'll have the person who takes dog shit three weeks longer than everyone else to learn how to do something you know realistically yeah. that'll always happen yeah like you'll have probably have one percent strawberry jam yeah if even if even and you'll have rest is a mishmash of strawberry jam and dog shit yeah or mostly and if dog. you're like if you're a coach right yeah strawberry jam is great it's great but it's like it's like, your bread and it's like driving on a motorway every day right yeah you're never gonna be you're never gonna be michael schumacher driving on the dual carriageway <laughs> like joe yeah. if you're cruising on that freeway every day yeah you'll never take a corner well in your life no and it's like you need like the uncoachables yeah and i hate to call them difficult people because they're not joe most of the time they're genuinely very nice people for sure just people who don't who might learn slightly differently to everyone else people aren't professional athletes they have a lot more stuff going on and you're you're telling jimmy to go home and stretch his ankles every second day jimmy didn't do that and jimmy hasn't stretched his ankles since he was a 12 year old playing ga (laughs) down on the pit the pitch like and like a lot of times jimmy's done that right but jimmy's wrecked himself playing uh yeah for 20 years and he stopped he's done nothing for the last 10 years yeah he bought a bike there and the bike to work scheme there <laughs> used it twice in the six months and decided it didn't want to do it anymore yeah or jimmy has four kids at home and sleeps around an hour and a half every night yeah so Jim, jimmy's information levels are high yeah <laughs> sleep deprived no ability to learn Don't know what they did um matthew walker was talking about so obviously you need to be well slept to learn a new skill yeah but Hugely you also important. need to sleep really well immediately after you learn a new skill to retain the information. Yeah. Which is something, when you say it out loud, you're like, obviously. But it's kind of not obvious at the same time, you know? No, no, no. But, uh, but if anyway. anybody is listening to this yeah. and you have any interest in sleep... Matthew Walker is great. Just Google Matthew Walker yeah. and read everything that comes out of his mouth. So, after you've done that kind of six months and yeah. people, as Dara said, physically literate, you can... You can decide what kind of population you have. So you might have a lot of, a lot of, like you might have twenty people in the gym who want to do a lot of competitive CrossFit. Yeah. So you've got a, you've got to start teaching people the Olympic lifts, and you've, or maybe even people who just want to do the open and stuff. So yeah. You, you've started to get like you've a really good idea of your population. Conversely, you might have nobody. You might no. have no one who's interested. And the like there, those groups are just as interesting to program for. Yeah. And to coach because you have someone who who doesn't like. It's so easy to coach a CrossFit person who's like, "Oh, want to do two or three competitions a year." I'm oh, sorry, it's not easy, but like, it's very simple because your needs analysis is basically done for you. Yeah. You know, they need to have the six or seven gymnastic movements. They need to have the Olympic lifts. They need to have a requisite level of strength. They need to have a good aerobic base. Yeah. And then they need to just keep progressing injury free. You need you know what you need to do really. Yeah. Whereas if you're like if you have Jimena and she uh she yeah. has no interest in training, but she just comes down because she likes the bit of crack. Yeah. And uh and you have to try and keep keep her stimulated. Yeah, keep training sessions challenging enough. Yeah. But also they're not gonna tear people's lives apart. Yeah. And then keep keep them enthusiastic enough to keep coming back. Like that's a very challenging thing to do. 
and that goes way beyond like just what you write in your programming and what goes on the yeah. whiteboard 100% that's like the attitude of you yeah the attitude of your coaches and you, then the attitude you like you control how the members interact with each other 100% Joe if you're like if you're super closed off and you just call everyone into the whiteboard this is from a coaching point of view if you call everyone into the whiteboard and it's super strict and really like brief yep. succinct and like there's no bit of chat yeah and class starts at half past mm -hmm. then you change over bang on the hour and then class finishes at half past and the next class comes in yeah whereas like if you're out there five or ten minutes early and you're chatting away and like oh and how was your weekend oh like oh did you see the match yeah geez yeah that's mad or yeah, like yeah, yeah and then like you're kind of bouncing off each other and you're encouraging interaction between the other members because that's a, a huge positive that's a massive part of the yeah. coaching like so a lot of times when people think of coaching and they'll think just a program on the board yeah whereas you want people a lot like so those jiminas and jimmies who come to the gym who are not competitive <laughs> crossfitters they're coming for this is like a lot of times a lot of us uh, us included we forget is that when they're going to the gym it doesn't they're just doing crossfit but they could as well just be doing step class or yeah. aerobics yeah or they could be doing anything it doesn't matter no crossfit is is interchangeable with everything else that they're doing so you've got to really got to make an effort to make this special for them i suppose yeah and i think like back in years previous right in the last kind of 10 years especially eight nine ten years ago yeah. back in like the earlier days of commercially or commercialized crossfit yeah you saw people trying to build communities through like this cult mentality right yeah and it was like oh fire breeders fire i was just about <laughs> saying we're like we're fire breathers and like yeah you got to get that name on the the chalkboard for the prs you know when you have to it worked though it worked right mm -hmm. but that's not gonna keep jimmy who doesn't care less no like so like if you're trying to keep a broad population of people that communities can be built outside of cults yeah and like it do, it doesn't have to be a community of elite athletes it's just a community of people who are deciding to spend an hour of their day yep three four or five times a week in the gym joe and that's that's yep. literally all you need to start off with like you also need to remember they're the people who are going to pay your bills yeah <laughs> because if you have lots of competitive crossfitters they'll take up more of your time more of your equipment more of your weekends probably if you're coaching them they're also the ones that are going to be like oh that gym up the next town over is uh yeah they got better equipment they got better equipment and they their team did really well at the 5150 last year you know and yeah oh i'm after all my jobs kind of changed and i'm just yeah, over yeah. there a few nights and they're you know like slowly whereas like if jimmy and jimmy or jimmy are coming five hours a week yeah and it fits into which the is a huge commitment huge commitment and if it fits into their routine perfectly and which is important that they would does fit into their routine and every time they come there, it's five of the best hours of their week. Like, yeah. It's like this, the most motivating. It's really positive. They get to see all the lads. They made new friends. They're in a WhatsApp group with yeah. the morning crew. Because, <laughs> cause like, as they've gotten older and they've had three or four kids and they've worked a lot, they don't have a lot of time to make new friends. No. So Making friends is hard. It is hard. If, <laughs> like, if you're it is like 25 plus, it's yeah. it, it is, um, there must be studies on making new friends. There, there is. There's a lot of them. And it's not to do with you've just decided you want to make any friends anymore it's just very hard to go find new people who are interested when do you have the time when do you have the time <laughs> so a lot of times people will make new friends and you've got to you've got to facilitate the 
the crack as it's called in Ireland. C-R-A-C-R-A-I-C. Yeah. Not C-R-A-C-K. No. So, <laughs> that like crack facilitator. <laughs> so, if you're coaching in a, a CrossFit box style strength conditioning setting, it's as much as important. The half of it f- is making people feel like what's happening is, is a really positive place yeah. to be. And then, once you do that, I, I won't say the program doesn't matter, but it it will make them believe a lot more in the program and it'll make yeah. the program twice as effective. Yeah. So, like, if every Monday you're always benching, but then everyone is really competitive with the benching in a good-natured way, every Monday is going to be something that someone's looking yeah, forward to, you yeah. know. Whereas, if you, let's say, Dara, you're, you're benching 80 kilos or something, you're not really sure yet. Yeah. And I'm like, Dara, what are you benching this week? And it's like three baits this week, say. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't know, I'll just see. And you're like, Dara, that's not good enough. You're like, you gotta, gotta, you've got to yeah. do better this week. And then next week's three by six or four by six. And you're like, Dara, what are you doing this week? And you're like, oh, I don't know, I'll see. And you're doing the same number. And you're like, Dara, that's not good enough. Realistically, you're probably going to be like, it's going to make you anxious. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, Dara, what are you doing this week? And you're like, oh, I'll see. You're like, all right, let's try 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then next week, you're like, what are you doing this week? And you, you fi- and I see you at 50 on the bar again. You're like, Dara, why don't we try 55 this week for the sixes? You know? Yeah. Like, you're going to motivate people. And I think, so the other thing, when you have classes or groups or teams or whatever it is, and, and you've really good dynamic between the people who are training together, Yeah. and you have things like they might be sharing a bar, or they might be doing team workouts, or they might be alternating who's doing their squats and or sharing a rack. Yeah. It also brings like a level of subconscious accountability. Yeah. Because it's like, Jesus, squatting with Jimmy now last weekend. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's after putting an extra five kilo plate on, you know. And, yeah. And like, I can see Jimmy is writing all his stuff into his notebook after yeah, training. Yeah. Like, oh, I should probably get a notebook. Yeah. Like that was something when we opened the gym first. We bought everybody notebooks. Yeah. We had a notebook rack. Yeah. And like, we used to be like, write your stuff in yeah. the notebooks. Yeah, yeah. And they did for a while. And then it just wasn't like the habit never formed, you know? Yeah, yeah. People um, will if they will. But well. yeah, and you see people being like, especially when people decide to make the step and they're going to be more more competitive, you know, or they, they take the step like we spoke about and they pick their first competition. You'll see them drifting towards the notebooks, you know, and, and yeah. tracking things and like the people there in class would take note of that yeah you know whether they whether they consciously do it or not you know you will notice that like geez he's finishing ahead of me in a lot of workouts now yeah you know yeah yeah oh, he's always stronger than him he's after getting strong isn't he yeah 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 yeah. or you took a break for two months yeah and he came back and he's still right it does 10 extra pages of his notebook full yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you're like fuck it yeah i think another thing as well is there's a fine line between you doing too many classes with your clientele or your community and not doing any but as the owner yeah yeah but it's definitely very important to come in in your off days yeah and when you're not working so it's i think personally it's there might be some people listening now who get offended but it's uh it's kind of rude and essentially people are not getting their money worth if you jump into a class while you're working yeah so right there's there's so many yeah. different things at work here. I think the, the, I think for 
if you come in in your off day and you show people that you're willing to come in that's unbelievable and do the class or like well. yeah you're yeah. not working this you're yeah. not working for this class and you jump in but then yeah, but it's also like yeah so the first point you make right where it's they're not getting their money worth yeah that's so fair right if that's if it's they're it's doing back squats yeah or they're snatching yeah and the coach is in snatching yeah like that's not then you're not coaching a class you're just no. there to open the doors yeah whereas if it's like all the strength work is done mm-hmm. um and the workout's like an imam or something yeah. or it's a fairly what you call like a low skill high capacity wad like you know it's yeah um a lot of work there and you're gonna be in the same place and it's not like you've people out running and in the gym at the same time yeah then if it's like numbers are low in the class there might be three or four people it's the last class in the evening i wouldn't see issues with the coaches doing it then like there was a rule abandoned that teddy put in yeah purely t- just annoy me that if there's less than two people in the class yeah so one person yeah that the coach had to do the water with them well it's also, that's a different kind of um, so that's really different that kind of changes the um dynamic of but that, what i, I hate <coughs> yeah. is like all right everyone into the board so uh today we're doing um pause back squat sets of eight yeah uh okay so this is what weight you want to be going for and then everyone goes down onto squat racks and coach owen is over there in the corner squatting away with timmy and jimena yeah and like just chatting away to them and there's people who might have three years of experience up the other end of the gym or grand yeah but like they still need feedback 100%. and they're still like they're still there to be coached you know yeah. you can go to any gym in the country and just sit in a squat rack and squat on your own 100 you go to like a coach facility to get coaching and to get feedback because for a lot of people paying 120 euro a month is a shitload of money to pay in a gym 120 or is what is a huge amount for everyone it's it's a lot like yeah so if you and you're part of the crossfit dynamic when you're paying for it at the part of the crossfit product is that <coughs> you're getting coached yeah that it's it's kind of like a it's always like a class you know yeah it's not an open gym kind of thing no 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 and there's like some gyms will have open gym slots or whatever and they have their use but if you have a coaching class yeah coach is coaching 100 percent. yeah and not eating your dinner. <laughs> That's like, it's a conversation we've been having for the last yeah. three weeks. Yeah. About coaches eating. Eating, um, eating your dinner during coaching. Yeah. I'm not into it. I'm not. In, and we've like, <laughs> this is a podcast of its own accord, yeah. but like, eating an apple mm-hmm. at start of class while like people are on rowers or something, Joe, is one thing. One but thing. then when like, when Garf pops up and chicken curry at the top of a class, it's not cool. Like, But just by the nature of eating your dinner, you're probably not going to be focusing people that much. Of course you're not. No. And I get like a lot of CrossFit gyms might run four hours of classes in the evening or five hours, you know, and it's a long, like, it's a long time because you're moving around when you're coaching or whatever. But yeah, yeah. it's like, it's not so long that you have to have beef stroganoff and rice <laughs> halfway through. Um, so, but yeah, so... Then like, so I know this sounds a lot of this last like twenty minutes sounded irrelevant, but it's actually, it's it's so important that your members respect you, but also like you, you know. So yeah, all of these things really play a part. And we'll get to the teams in a few minutes about how the dynamics a little bit different, where you need a bit more respect than you do camaraderie. Yeah, but for for gym 
so box style gyms it's it's just really important that you people look up to you know like have a respect for you because if people don't like you then they're just not going to come back no but if they like you too much when you give them a piece of advice they'll be like yeah 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 yeah. but also when people respect you they'll want to do well for you you know yeah and the thing of members being friend like gym friends with each other yeah is hugely important as well 100% do you know because like you learn so whatever however good the coaches are wherever you are Mm mm-hmm you're going to learn a certain proportion from coaches, but you're also going to learn a hell of a lot from interacting with the other members. 100%. You know, and like it's it's more than just you observing and you, uh, like through action observation, take in new movement patterns or whatever it is and you're, you're watching things and you're seeing how things are done or you might see uh, barbells being loaded differently or yep. scalings of different progressions. But it's also... Or they might just throw a comment and be like... That's the thing, the chat. Yeah, yeah. And like... I did this and it would fucking made these handstands way easier. Yeah, or like... Uh, yeah, geez, I shoes like that before and... Yeah. They're way too spongy, so I just changed, you know. Or Owen's always at me to get weights and shoes and... Do you find them any good? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I bought these for 80 euro. Yeah. They made some difference, you know. My, my calves don't hurt as much or yeah. something or... So it is... Like these things, although they seem small and a lot of... What we've been talking about seems like little pet peeves... They do, they are hugely important for the overall scheme of things. Because what happens a lot and is just, you might have a member who's who notices this, this. he yeah. notices you doing these things that are really irritating. Yeah. But you also aren't really part of, you haven't been made comfortable in the gym, I suppose, as part of the, the, the community, I suppose. Yeah. For want of a better word. And you... You just quietly slip away. You're like, well, I didn't really like CrossFit anyway. It was only two or three months. Yeah. And you go back to just going to the gym or whatever. So how many members might you lose doing that, you know? Yeah. And like the difference between a 30% retention rate and a 60% retention rate is huge. Mm-hmm. And like gym culture has probably going to account for more than 30%. Yeah. Do you know, it's and like the overall attitude of everyone in there. So if we if we talked about what that kind of first impressions when you come to the gym are from the side of a coach yeah. and an owner mm-hmm. now from an athlete or like just a general member if you're if you haven't been in a coach facility before or you haven't trained with a squad before or a team or in a class yeah there are certain things that are going to make your you slotting into that role a bit easier yeah um i think first day right so obviously a lot of us are introverts. A lot of us are extroverts. Yeah. Some people are going to fit into a group of brand new people a lot easier. If you've trained in a team before, you're going to fit in a lot easier. Or if you've been to a gym like that, or if you're experienced with certain movements or whatever, you're going to fit in easier or less easier than other people. Certain things like just going up and introducing yourself to the coach will make such a difference. So, because but, but the, the coach should know your name and should know that you're new 100 yeah and it like you shouldn't have to go up to introduce yourself no he should be straight over to you yeah and but, shepherding you around the place but then at the other side if you're like sitting on a box at the back of the gym mm-hmm. and then oh i have six classes starting yeah and you kind of walk up halfway through the the first brief you know mm-hmm. like that's you're probably not putting yourself in the best position to like really really fit into a place yeah um i don't think you have to be 
running around the place like Jimmy Kimmel mm-hmm. at the start of a class being like, hi, my name is, is Dara. Yeah. Hi, my name is Dara. Oh, how's yeah. it going? Oh, yeah, I'm from here. Just moved home. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think that's necessary. Um, But like, being a small but open to engage in what is essentially useless chat. Yeah. Joe, at the start. Like, Nonsense. Jeez, this is hard, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. God, that it will stretch. They got us through it. Like, yeah. that's so important because that just shows, like, those people could have been members there for five years, you know, mm-hmm. and they might know each other so well. So yeah. it'd be like, it'd be like a random podcast listener walking into this room. Yeah. And obviously the two of us are going to chat. Yeah. But like, it's not, it's not a bad thing if we don't just suddenly start chatting to this person. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. As like, as the person who's first in the door, it's nice when people come up and introduce yourself, but you have to like be open to some amount of conversation. Yeah. Um, and to try and like, Joe, you know, if that means not standing right next to your squat rack all the time and kind of like just drifting into the middle of the the floor and yeah, like, Joe, you know, being a small bit more open than than sitting down the back, like yeah. And it, of of course, if you don't want to get to know anyone, yeah, and you just want to do your class and get home, that's that's yeah. Most people don't want that, but some people, like most people, are coming. I think are staying for the community. Yeah, and that's like that's a big thing. So if you're if you're like, oh, I don't need to get to know anyone. I'm only here for three months and then I'm gone. You know, you might go in with that attitude, but realistically, it's not that easy to train consistently all the time. And if you have some level of relationship with the people you train with, yeah, yeah, and like you're gonna be a lot more consistent. Yeah. So even though we're like, oh. I'm not getting to know anyone here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would I get to know what what's the point? Like Yeah, yeah. They don't they don't get me like yeah. <laughs> but it is like you're gonna yeah. be a lot more and if that's especially people who train in like you know a work gym. Yeah. So if it's like a facility that your company pays for or or it's like a small little room at the back of the warehouse or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like a lot of people people just throw on headphones and go on a cross trainer and they might be there at the same time every single day, but they'd never ever chatted to each other. Yeah. Like we get it that it might be only 20 minutes a piece a day. Yeah. But like, you're going to increase your consistency. Yeah. And your adherence to a training program. It's if you know more people there. Especially if you, um, if you're a member, you can help other people's consistency. Yeah. Because if someone comes every Tuesday with you at four o'clock and then suddenly two Tuesdays in a row, they're not there and they come back and you're like, where were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right here the last two weeks. Yeah. Do you know, stuff like that. I suppose in terms of actual actual practicality from the programming perspective from the coach is so let's say you, you've done your six months or whatever you've built a good gym culture you've got to know everybody by name everyone's interacting great yeah everyone knows what you mean when you say back squat so the first thing you need to do, <laughs> do is everyone needs to know what the names of the exercises are yeah because if you're listening to this you probably know there's almost certainly you know what everything is okay but a lot of times members might do a f- fucking clue like <laughs> so don't people are like oh, do you know so they're standing there to brief and they're like a hang snatch no so it goes like this do you know so you, you're you're um you're like so you say okay, uh, so today in class we're gonna do uh pause back squats yeah pause back squat pu- plus back squat yeah five sets of two plus two yeah and then everyone goes away and someone goes up to you and like, what what's five what's which part of the sets? So, so do I do a set? Do I do two sets and then two sets, or do I do five reps and then two yeah. sets and two sets? 
So everyone needs to be down with the lingo. Mm. Everyone needs to understand what everything is, what yeah. everything means. And like try and make the way you display down the board as simple as possible to read. And as consistent. And if you have yeah. coaches, yeah. if you have different coaches... Standardize what you're writing. Yeah, definitely. Because it happens all the time. Like I trained in CrossFit that's been open for, I think it's a, 10 years now. And still people go, so is it 10 each arm? <laughs> Or ten total, you know. Yeah. And a lot of times people use the uh the whiteboard as a as a reason to rest between sets. Oh my god. Or be like, Well was it ten each arm or ten you know? Yeah. So make sure everything's clear as day when you put it on the board. So you have your each of your sections. So if we're if we're followed to to follow the standard way classes are run pretty much I'd say in ninety plus percent of all crossfits in the world, we have our we have our strength first. We might have time for our strength assistance and then our yeah. watts. So, a lot of people, like, cry at the, probably the inefficiency of this, right? But for everyone involved, for the coaches, and for the people who are going, an hour and a half is just not really feasible. No. So, you need more gym time. The coach needs more time. People, you can have less classes. And really, that extra half an hour isn't probably going to benefit people that much. No. I think... If you were to introduce, so like there's certain fitness franchises are 90 minutes. Yeah. So like Bikram Yoga, which is like, you know, the 45 degree heat yoga. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they're 90 minute classes. And for years, like I know a girl who owns one. And for years they were, the Bikram class is 90 minutes. We're mm-hmm. not venturing outside of the franchise. But you're, you're turning away between 50 and 80% of your, yeah. your population, you know, because 90 minutes is like... It doesn't seem that much longer than an hour, but for somebody who has a busy, busy schedule, yeah, is trying to get home to like a partner or family, or if they're doing it before work, you've plus fifteen minutes either side of that realistic for most yeah. people on average, probably. Yeah, so like, yeah, not even including travel. Yeah, um, that's two hours already. So if you've an hour and a half, yeah. Class. So they've they've now brought in a forty-five minute like speed class, mm-hmm. um, purely just because they're cutting down their demographics so much. Yeah, with a ninety-minute class. I don't think people are missing out no. on, like, oh, you could be so much better if you train for 90 minutes instead of 60 minutes. Almost certainly people would hang around just a lot more during that class yeah. and take the time. I, I also think you'd find a lot, you'd find adherence throughout the week dropping off a hell of a lot more as well. Yeah. Because I think you'd, like... It's not like people are going to get so much more work done yep. that they're going to be super beat up and they can't train on Thursday and Friday. But it's definitely going to be that the other stuff they have on in their life yep. is suddenly going to be like, oh, I can't take the 90 minutes because no. I have to go home and cut the grass. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas like 60 minutes is... It's very feasible. Yeah. And realistically, you're not going to get much extra work in, in the extra half an hour to no. benefit most people cause it, because... The recommendations for health are like, is it three hours a week of moderate exercise or something yeah. like that? So your primary goal that everyone coming to your gym is to make them healthier and live longer. Yeah. So you can, if people are coming to five hours a week, five classes, you have more than enough to make them live a bit longer <laughs> and make them healthier. Yeah. So you're not trying to make them, it's important to remember when you're programming for people, is you're not trying to make them the pro crossfitters or pro athletes. No. You're trying to teach them, you're trying to do some resistance training and then do some conditioning. Because 
while it would be nice to have a whole strength class and you can do that you can add those in but for most people you got to get a bit of both because people's consistency and adherence is so inconsistent across however many people you have in your gym so you've got to keep it you've got to try hit all parameters while you're there so you've got to try hit your mobility because people overwhelmingly will have terrible mobility almost you'll have those freaks that are just <laughs> i'm gonna say 80 percent to 90 percent of your you know, you, population you'll, you'll get those hyper mobile people <laughs> which is too bad the other way but and then you have to work yeah to make them that's less worse if anything yeah but they're just random and <laughs> won't account for anything so you've got to have your some would call them freaks <laughs> so as important as your program you need to start off you need to find out what the most effective warm-up you can have you know yeah so it's got to be something fun it's got to be engaging yeah it's got to be kind of dynamic mixed with some static stretches what you should do as well is is you should take note of what people struggle with the most in your gym in your classes and there's nothing wrong with making a bit of an effort and knowing that let's say fucking mary jimmy and sarah are let's say half of your class on a tuesday yeah and they have really tight shoulders but your warm-up focus on your lower body and your mid-back you know make a bit of an effort and change it up for shoulders for them there's also nothing wrong with like dividing people right yeah it's it's so much easier for us to just be like okay everybody grab a red band and everybody grab a med ball yeah and get them working away and like set specific exercises there's nothing wrong with being like all right the five of you lads have really tight shoulders before you go front squatting you have to do this stretch mm-hmm. and then everybody else can just do their general movement stuff like your body weight stuff yeah and then they'll converge the lads will have to do some extra general movement stuff just to get warm yeah um or they might have been doing it in between the stretches but there's nothing wrong with being like look you're not mobile enough to do this movement you have to go and do something else and then everybody else plays the game of like thruster tennis or or handball in the gym whatever it is and then they come back as a group and go on and do their front squats i definitely think there's nothing wrong with that and when you so for the general population that are coming to your gym as well i would not do phases no i would not do you know i wouldn't do well i would change the volume and intensity of course but i wouldn't really be like okay this two months now we're gonna do lots of endurance no because what i what i like doing is or what i like when i see people doing it is they have maybe the next three months so between now and christmas say um our strength work's gonna focus a lot more on uh the gymnastics movements or the weightlifting movements because it allows people to have everything else is still going on so they're still doing squats they're still doing all their endurance work but now a lot of their strength work is focused towards gymnastics or it might be like specific like bar work and gymnastics um or else saying okay we're going to take three months and for strength work we're going to add in a lot more olympic lifts but you know, like you would never go to a phase where you're, it's all about running no or it's all gymnastics no so you're still like in terms of they're not true phases in terms of like no, typical no they're not they're just a bit more focused on they're, things it's not block periodization no it's not it's, it's still like a concurrent model yeah so like if you're if you are programming and you think i'm gonna do block periodization there's just way too many variables involved with so many different people who don't know their numbers who aren't going to be consistently so if you if you bench every monday like 
a lot of times people are going to miss loads of sessions and if you're doing block periodization if you miss one or two out of six sessions you've really fucked up stuff yeah because if you're being really really yeah, rich if you're, if you're doing percentage work yeah like like if you if you go from tens to sixes or tens to fives and you miss two weeks in the middle you miss <laughs> your eights and sixes like you're yeah you're what the fuck are you going to do like yeah you won't build any adaption and the weights will just be so drastically heavier so you, you've got to be a bit more the changes the the peaks and troughs of your uh of your your like your volume and your intensity have got to be a lot lower i think yeah like i've definitely made the mistake in the past of like we've made every single wrong move we can we're programming for groups yeah um done things where they're like isn't enough variation and like ideally right if you want to get people fitter they do very similar wads every single Monday, very similar wads every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then you gradually moderate volume and intensity over the course of the workouts the same way you do with your strength work. That doesn't work for workouts or for conditioning work in general gym settings because people get too bored with the monotony. Like I've definitely made that mistake in the past. I've definitely made the mistake where there's too much variation. Yeah. And they come in and be like, okay, uh, let's just change the workout today. Yeah. And like, you don't get, you don't, so it's not that people won't get fitter doing that. It's obviously not the most efficient way of getting fit, but more importantly, people don't see week to week progression. Yeah. Which is what you want, you know. Yeah. You want people doing a kettlebell workout with an eight the first week or first few weeks, then 10s, then 12s, then 14s, then 16s. Mm-hmm. And they see progression week to week. And them seeing that progression is as important as anything else that's happening there. Um, In terms of the skill stuff, mm-hmm. so one of the first blocks I wrote in Bandon where we really did gymnastic skills, we sat down and we had, I think like a four or a six stage progression. There was like these staple sheets with progression one, two, three, four, five, six on it. Yeah. They know that if they're on week one, then they do week two next week, then week three the next week. If they weren't able to finish week three, they rerun week three. And I think yep. we had an A, B, C, D, E or something. And they just track which one they did last week. That works really well, in theory. Mm-hmm. Did it not work out? No, because it's like... So, take Tolles to Bear, for example. If you start with... Um, people can't hang from a bear and they're doing like a dip support so on parallel bears doing a knee raise and then the next week they go and do hanging knee raises and then they do hanging pause knee raises then a hanging leg raise then a kipping leg raise moving towards the toes to bear what will happen is you see somebody and they're doing so there's two groups here you have a group two who stay on the dip supports and then six weeks later they're still on dip supports because they don't want to make the step of hanging from a bear or else you have the group who do dip supports and then halfway through the class go to hanging knee raises then hanging pause knee raises and then hanging leg raises and then it's people either take that progression way too fast and their hands are torn off them and their flexors are inflamed for a week after it or else you have the person who's seven weeks down the progression scale and they're still not onto a bear yeah so i think like that system is is optimal when you're in a much smaller group setting so if you're doing maybe three to one pt sessions or four to one like specific group sessions but i think in an overall class scheme of things where you're writing a program for a whole gym 
that's very very difficult to police yeah you want you uh, you want to force progression on people yeah and not extreme progression well i think rather than force you want to sneak progression yeah. onto people yeah facilitate progression yeah, yeah make it the better option than yeah not progressing and then you want to keep your you want to keep the variance fairly like the variance in volume and intensity fairly moderate yeah like you never want massive ups and downs or if you do the periods where they change should be very short so like in a three-week basis as opposed to maybe an eight-week basis yeah so that way in terms of hitting your you can hit a lot of people so if someone misses fucks up a three week so let's say you do tens sixes and threes or something like that yeah and you can do with general population because a lot of them are very undertrained and new to strength conditioning so if someone jumps in on the sixes it's not going to be too heavy or too light yeah and then they jump to the trees it's probably going to be closer to sixes weight but they're still getting it and then let's say they do make the next three weeks they've still hit their tens and sixes and then they might miss trees again you know yeah but they're still they're still getting a lot of like a lot of uh, the work they need to be doing I suppose yeah like know. the slope of the graph is positive yeah it's not it's negative whereas if you if you if you plan out your blocks then you're you've two weeks of tens you've two weeks of eights you've three weeks of, of sixes and then fives if someone if someone misses two weeks from like misses the first week of tens and misses two weeks of the eights and yeah. then misses you know and it very easy could happen <coughs> like Darren's saying it's it's great in theory and it's the better way to do things yeah it's just shit for people doing it because it won't. It's it sucks for you because you're trying to, f- you'll it's because you'll have to try figure out for them because it, it might be as half much half the class you're in yeah. that your coaching might have fucked missed a lot of them or else they forgot what they did last week. <laughs> they forgot what they did and they didn't write it down. Yeah, and they're like they're what my sixes like what's, yeah. what's that be at? Also, so right, we take the piss out of people for forgetting. Yeah, or not caring. Right. Yeah. So obviously they have a certain responsibility for that. Yeah. But if you have the most convoluted training program ever, 100%. and you're expecting them to track yeah. five markers per class per day, yeah, that's like that's a hundred percent your fault that they're forgetting. And you need to um, really show them why it's important that they know their numbers. Yeah. You need to really impose upon them, and not just tell them write the numbers. You need to say you need to show them why it's important that they write it down. Yeah, and I think. So we talked about like sneaking progression onto people. Yeah. I think like alternative ways of raising intensity or volume levels besides sets, mm-hmm. reps or load, like sets are kind of the most overlooked one because people rarely go from doing three sets to five sets to eight sets. Yeah. Especially in a class setting, we hate doing it because it prolongs the period we like it cuts into our time of other exercises so much when we have a lot of sets to do yeah but there's things like if you're doing five by five back squats and you do five by five at 100 kilos then the next week it's five by five paused Mm -hmm. at 100 kilos then you go back to five by five normal at 105 then five by five paused at 105 yeah then you're like prolonging the period where people can possibly miss a monday and like when we talk about oh someone misses two or three weeks that sounds like they're missing a lot of training that might be that they haven't been here on a wednesday yeah for two or three weeks they might still be getting plenty of squatting yeah they might be training loads but like they just can't make wednesday's classes for that long so So, like doing things like that where they do uh normal squats then pause squats then normal plus paused 
and like rotating through those three so you're the weight will probably stay consistency or the weight will stay consistent over the course of three weeks but the intensity will gradually raise yep. then they'll go to easier of the three uh progressions yep. the weight will increase again and then they'll go yep. normal pause plus normal paused and then increase the weight again because so if you want to keep it interesting the strength you've got to keep the variance up but <laughs> as interesting is like Dara was saying so three isn't that much variation realistically no but if you really if so if you do facilitate people learning what numbers are their numbers progression is enough variation for them that progression will really simulate them make them yeah will make people enthusiastic because th- it will really teach them the value or like the, the enjoyment of strength training so there's like there's a it's easy to fall into the trap of you've got to keep giving people new things and you do to a certain extent for sure there's no like we were saying earlier like people aren't a lot everyone's like repetitive crossfitters or, or no. fitness athletes or whatever a lot of them are just coming for the class but you also still need to like Darcy and you still need to give people progression like you still need to sneak sneak in some progression and they need to learn like because we'll p- it, getting better is enjoyable for everyone yeah everyone wants to improve so moving on to your so like typically we have our strength stuff and obviously like we're saying so you keep the variance it's fairly moderate variance yeah and the um the changes aren't aren't for over a long period of time so doing things for three or four months is just not feasible no and you like you get people joining like three months in or yeah or people missing two months or whatever the, like the other thing is if you run progressions for say if you write a four or five month block and you're saying like we're doing loads of body weight stuff for this four or five month block by the end of that you'll have somebody who joins up four and a half months into a block yeah they'll walk into class and they're doing these guys are doing tempo pistol squats yeah yeah, yeah. and uh feet raised push-ups yeah weighted to a deficit and like you've a level of exercise that's progressed to a level where or progressed to an intensity or a a level of complication where yeah. a new person coming in is like what the fuck they're looking up at a mountain of a learning yeah. curve and it's just no way they can climb that. whereas if you say look if you take two months right eight weeks which is very short for us but like people think it's a long time yeah um if you take two months say all right we're gonna squat bench deadlift or aim to get those up over the course of these eight weeks by the time people come in seven weeks into that block they're still squatting benching and deadlifting yeah they're not doing like squats of chains and deadlifts yeah. from like a four inch deficit yeah you know like it's it's still a very easy place to ramp on yeah and it means that all the other skills are still being kept up if you go too far down the rabbit hole so if you do a weightlifting block for seven months yeah where every strength exercise you do is a derivative or a snatch or a clean and jerk or a derivative of like your conditioning and your gymnastics is not going to be as high as it should be yeah um and like not that gymnastics is hugely important for general population but you should be keeping all those balls in the air and then in terms of so a lot of times we'll have our we'll have our strength and then we'll have our strength assistance a lot of time where people fall i've no or not fall down but a lot of times i don't blame people because it's not their fault <laughs> where they lose interest yeah <laughs> you need to make i think really important with, with assistance or strength assistance is you need to make it really intense it needs to be facilitated 
So not difficulty is very low, like right? Like camping. <laughs> you need like to be intense. You need to be out there camping in the woods. <laughs> intense. So like, you you need to like it needs to be like couplets are great or triplets like, and it needs to be time restricted or very very limited in the scope. Or like you've like five minutes to get six sets of each done or something like that. Yeah, or if you just say every minute on the minute you're gonna do twenty tricep extensions yeah. and hold the plank for whatever, however long you're whatever, left. Yeah. And like nothing is more boring than assistance work. Yeah. Right? As uh, as two people who write assistance work for a hundred and fifty people are well over and we Give them all those programs. Yeah. Like, n- we understand how boring it is. Super boring. <laughs> and we could see straight away when people send back videos that, like, if they have or they haven't done the assistance work. But the problem, is, so just got into there, there, the problem is the assistance work can make a massive difference. It's it's the Vital. most, it's not the most important thing, right? But it's it's so important that you can't say it's not the priority. Yeah. If you get what I mean. Like a lot of times you see people, let's say you're doing like, like there was tricep extensions or whatever. This is you, like this is your time as a coach to start really pushing people as well. Yeah. So a lot of times you see like you'll do like say if they're like band push downs or tricep extensions or something. You're like, yeah, did you? Uh, were you watching Emmerdale last night? Yeah. So then they're just like, I'm just making like tricep push down over here at my arm, <laughs> and you're just like, yeah. I don't it know. looks like they're fanning a fire. Yeah, there's just like just lackadaisically just like yeah and. Um, I don't know, I don't the know. other thing is right yeah, as a coach yeah. nothing with accessory work is ever that complicated or complex like yeah. you can't you can't fucking push someone in a snatch you know you can't stand next to me like come on yeah, yeah come yeah. on yeah. and if you do you're I'm not even going to talk about it yeah you shouldn't do it Um, but if someone's doing uh, max out sets on push ups yeah yeah that's the time for like a bit of motivation yeah Mr. Motivator come on yeah like and that's like it's important there because they're they're doing something where they're not going to hurt themselves or they should be doing something where they're not going to hurt themselves they're probably going through some sort of barrier where they're feeling some discomfort yeah and like it's also you know if you're thinking like say max sets of push-ups it might be no harm for you to jump in as I know I said earlier that it's really stupid or rude when you do. Yeah. But it's a good time to lead by example to like, if it is a max set of push-ups, there's nothing stopping you. Like if they're doing them on Showing the what a max looks like. Yeah. Or doing it with them as yeah. they're doing the push-ups, like leading by example. So a lot of times when we're doing stuff like that, I know if, if everyone's heard the, uh, the quote from Muhammad Ali where he's saying, uh, I don't count reps until they start hurting or whatever. Do you know, some yeah, variant yeah, of that. Yeah. Like a lot of times people like get to 12 and start feeling kind of hard and no one else has gotten 12 so they're like yeah we can stop here whereas if if you as a coach are doing or at 20 and they're still doing 12 yeah. there's a good chance they'll do another five or six reps to try to keep up with you you know yeah so like that's the other time where time restricted things i think really help yeah because if you've like the reps in particular on assistance work because a lot of it is, is hypertrophy focused they're going to be higher rep ranges than what they've been doing for their strength work so they're boring like yeah they're but not also it increases the effectiveness of those exercises yeah. when you limit the time between yeah them. so like if you're doing a set of 20 on whatever push-ups yeah like that's 20 are they pro athletes <laughs> but that's incredibly boring you know yeah or like ring rows yeah so boring whereas 
fuck it if you're doing 20 every minute on the minute you're you're gonna be pulling through him to try and get some bit of a rest yeah for sure you're, yeah. like it does increase the effectiveness yeah it also makes the class or the group training session a hell of a lot easier to manage because instead of jimmy and his four buddies down the back hanging off the rings kind of chatting away yeah yeah it's like everybody's working or they're alternating in pairs or they're moving between three stations you know what's going to take seven minutes and then you're done and move that yeah definitely like time restricted stuff um or like controlling the tempo of things for your accessories is very very important do we talk about conditioning <laughs> Conditioning, like we touched on this earlier, right? It's not that hard, to be fair. No, there's no rocket science. But if you're general population, you do have to have a level of variance that, as a sports scientist, you're looking at being like, this is incorrect. But this it's a place where you can add a lot of variance, yeah, much it, more than the strength training. It's also the place where you could have a bit more... Like, like you've stuff in there because you know it's going to work well, or you know... But you don't... like it's going to appeal to people to do it. Like, realistically, your sole purpose for this conditioning is to elevate their heart rate for an extended period yeah. of time. Like, it's all well and good to be like, oh, I need to get the, get more volume yeah. of uh, step-ups in this workout, so next week we want to do less time but more reps. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And like for a competitive crossfitter, it's something you should be focusing on, whatever. But if it's uh, Jimmy and Jimena, <laughs> you know, it's an elevated heart rate for 20 minutes. Yeah, you know, a consistent, not massively high or massively low. You just want like most of the time you're trying to get them healthier. Like this is this is the key thing here. Like so, yeah. I think you can be a bit more blasé with. I'd say priority is similar variation and similar, like more fun, because as long as they're doing something within reason, you know. Yeah, I think it's probably it's, it's a great place to do that. And yeah, so I like, I like seeing workouts as well that, say four days or three times out of the week right so uh monday tuesday and friday you're gonna have workouts that are really structured they're hitting the right things you want to hit so yeah they're doing some running work maybe some prolonged endurance work maybe some just like really specific muscular endurance work like a dead hang from bear or something like that and then on your wednesday and friday it's like a partner what you know like great for that yeah mix it up yeah um or like if it's like sunny outside in the evening just change the what yeah like yeah i'd never ever be like oh if it's <laughs> if it's sunny on a monday let's skip our back squats yeah because so, skipping back like or skip floor presses you know because like interrupting those progression curves isn't good mm -mm. um or if you've seen like some crossfit competition where they did like murph or something like the whole class is doing murph today like yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. don't do that but like or if you've four people in class and they're like we really 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 don't want to do the 15 burpees every minute on the minute that you've written up on the board yeah be like all right you just don't have to do it today we'll write something else up yeah you know like you do have a lot more scope to play around with and like Saturday morning classes are great for this or like your weekend class whatever it is um, but getting the class up to the whiteboard before they start anything and be like what well, one movement you do want one movement you don't want go around the circle Yeah. suddenly you have 
10 movements people want to do, 10 movements people don't want to do. Realistically, they're all going to say, like, burpees or wall balls or something along those lines. Yeah. And then be like, right, go away and do your strength work. And then over the course of that, you're like, right, this is the workout we're going to do. You know, most of the time you'll have a workout in your head or written down already and you, you're just basically telling them they're doing the one yeah. that they wanted to do, you know, but they've already said a lot of the movements. Um, but like giving people some ownership and some autonomy to be like, Jesus, there we're not. Yeah. We're not running tonight. Like, yeah, yeah. Please no running yeah, tonight. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So moving on to team coaching then, you can be much more of an asshole just to start things off. <laughs> yeah, and like it does, like you have to be... Enjoyment is not priority here. No, and like there are people who are best friends with their certain conditioning coach, which is great. Yeah, yeah. But you also have to like cater the, the conditions a lot more and your demographic. So like in a standard class in a gym, you might have an age range of 17 to 70 you know mm-hmm. on a if you're coaching a soccer team and there you have 27 15 year olds you can't like there's no way you can be like lads what do you want to do no 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 no, no you can not no way and if, or if you go into a, a group of senior players I'm like okay everyone's gonna do max plank five times in a row with a minute and a half rest in between each one yeah and they'll be like there are terrible times and yeah. just constantly in a negative frame of mind like yeah you're dealing with probably non-professional athletes yeah amateur athletes who have a lot more stuff going on in their life you're this new snc coach and yeah. speaking to them or this just strength coach or whatever it is yeah. like you have to understand that these are the people who are on the team you're getting paid to coach team or maybe not paid to coach team but they've done something to get on this team yeah Joe like you can't you can't treat adults like that but most of them would they not be realistically let's say we've our pro athletes or semi-pro like a lot of times our total amateur probably won't have a strength and conditioning coach I'd say of the senior rugby soccer and GA teams in the country yeah definitely north of 70 or 80% will have an SNC coach Definitely north of half. But those people have hopes and dreams, however <laughs> unlikely, you know. So their yeah. their mentality coming into the sessions is going to be a lot different. Yeah. Probably a good place to start for a team coach um, is imposing on them why it's important. Because a lot of the times they might be like, fucking gym work. Yeah. You know, they really... I think yeah like, like in a, rugby it's good I think the culture is good a culture of openness so like John when you're talking about imposing onto them the importance like that's the local team who I used to play for they have a new SNC coach as of like two years ago and he seems to be phenomenal like every single person who's talking about him saying how good he is yeah Um, you know him he's from Limerick CJ is it yeah yeah oh CJ is very good CT or what is it CJ CJ Um, but like so he gives the lads a PDF and he calls it like something like the Bible, like Does the he? Bible of rugby essence or something. I always give people programs. I like my individual lads. I'd be like, Ash, they're like after Ramadan, I've like post Ramadan, dad. <laughs> <laughs> but Joe, like that. So if you're a new coach coming into a place or you've been in a facility and there's a new team coming in, having that openness to be like, look, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You don't need to tell them 
we want to do big, heavy bilateral movements because it really stimulates your CNS. And like, you know, th- you need to give them the appropriate amount of information while you're doing things and the effect you expect to have from what you're doing. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you don't need to explain every single thing you're doing to every single player, but like, you can't hide behind things. You know, be like, you can't be like just so do your deadlifts and shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, like that. For some lads, though, you can say that because they might need that. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, you have to be able to do it. Is what I'm saying. You have to be able to justify why these guys are doing what they're doing. Um, because I think that is something that, like, there's a culture in a lot of sports of, uh, like a dictatorship coaching role. You know, um, most of the time, if you're a strength coach or a conditioning coach you're not going to be the head coach. And the head coach already has that di- dictate, dictatorship style, you know. Yeah. Um, a, lot of, like, a lot of times, lads are becoming fucked. Yeah, and like... Rightly or wrongly, they'll be coming in with injuries or they'll be wrecked from overrunning or overtraining yeah. or overdrills. And I think... Mentally or physically. As that as that auxiliary coach. You can be the buddy, kind of. Yeah, and you need to know your place. Yeah. So, like, pre-season and off-season is your time. And it's like, you're... Co- this coaching coaching teams is much simpler yeah. in some regards in terms of your planning because like like you will have your two three months or whatever so you know you'll have tr- two three months to get the lads much stronger realistically yeah. most of the time or you'll have your conditioning so the coaching is exercise selection and stuff is is, is a lot simpler yeah because you know exactly where you want to be and you're not going to have anywhere near the variation Joe you'll, yeah. you'll probably write um Variation is the worst thing for you, really. Yeah, over the course of an off-season, they might do... If their off-season's two months, they might have a total of four different types of sessions. And, like, because every time they do session one, it's yeah. going to look fairly similar. It'll just be progressed. Because almost all of the time, you just don't have enough time with no. them. Like, Because let's say if it's a rugby season, right? So a lot of times rugby, if if you were staying conditioning coach with rugby team, chances are they're probably... In the, a semi-decent team, right? So they'll probably have a long enough season because they're probably playing a lot of matches. Yeah. So if you're going from late September to, like, March? Yeah, definitely March. So maybe maybe one or two into April or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So realistically, they've done fuck loads of running there for the last, yeah. however, seven, eight months. Yeah, and it's probably... You need, like... Definitely. Look, in Ireland, you're, you're talking about running into to April and May. And, like, if you have June, July, and August, right? Yeah. Realistically, for the first two to four weeks, they're still fucked. Yeah, they're just recovering, so you can you kind of can't go with the typical high volume. You you can, of course, obviously, depending on your team, you have to play by ear, I suppose. But you've got to give them a chance to, you know. Yeah, and this is their time off mentally too. So like 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 they're saying, you don't want to come in, you ball swinging like you know. No, no, no. And so, oh, I've seen that so many. Like I've seen it. I've been in the like on yeah. those fields where yeah. or like sitting in that dressing room getting that talk being like we're gonna hit it hard now in the offseason like yeah yeah it's also if we're dealing with senior athletes um it, it's different for students but if you're dealing with senior athletes it's also the time when like yeah joe jimmy and nora are going on holidays yeah joe or like 
Nora needs Jimmy to do the garden like yeah, yeah, Joe yeah, and yeah. Jimmy can't be training the five nights a week he's been doing like like for most of them three nights a week is probably absolutely ideal yeah but well as I was saying start, Joe you kind of can come in you know like Sadar was talking earlier about the box style where people are like Darren we don't want to do 15 tonight if you're the coach though you can be like lads you're doing 15 tonight yeah in a team setting it's, yeah. it's very very different they're also used to being um told what to do basically they're used to having a lot less autonomy like yeah like you don't you don't get players going to a session being like we're going to do eight sets of sprints out tonight yeah, yeah, so yeah most of the time you're starting sprints or a lot of the time you're not being told how many you're doing so like if it's uh if you're like a rugby team you you will have kind of your backs and your forwards i suppose yeah and both of those will both of their goals will be get stronger the backs will be a lot different to the forwards in yeah. terms of weight gain and strength and speed, I suppose. Yeah, and like body composition and body weight manipulations can only really happen in off season and then slightly in pre season. But in the off season, it's realistically when if you're getting a back to put on some weight or a forward to put on some weight or lose some weight. Yeah. Um, those manipulations everybody's going to lose some weight in pre-season. Yeah. It just happens. Like, it's but impossible not to. And you, you aren't going to be gaining strength realistically. No. You might realise some strength you've made, but mo- you probably mo- won't. Mo- yeah, most of the time, your absolute strength will go down. Um, But obviously, your work rate will go through the roof. So then, when you're looking at an off-season, and so if you're an SNC coach now, especially in GAA in Ireland... Yeah. Um, Windows are short. Yeah, like managers it, might not be buying into you. No, and like you may not be given the time, the resources. No, and like we're talking about if you're playing with a senior club, yeah, or an intermediate club, your off season. If you're making it to finals, could be four weeks. Yeah, like our good friend Literally. who we're not going to name just said their off season will be three weeks. That's not. He's not taking the piss even our accountant was shocked at that yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> but like it is so like if in an outside of Ireland I suppose they so we have kind of almost a semi pro league at the moment in uh, GA so in our yeah, football it's run like a professional sport but they just fo- don't pay any athletes and there's a lot of money made from it yeah and there's a lot of sponsors involved it's, what it's like is college football yeah and college baseball in the states but even they they get the perks, but most of them don't get any money. No, and they train very hard. They train as many hours as professional, at least. Yeah, get, like they treat their nutrition training like they're bar their pay. They're basically full time athletes, yeah. pro athletes. You know, bar the fact that they have a job. Bar the fact that they have a job. <laughs> yeah, but then they also have their um, club level. You know, kind before club. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's they they like, like the structure is your club is just where you're born. Yeah, people don't. On a vast majority of the time, people don't change clubs. Yeah. So you could be playing for this huge club and playing inter-county, yeah. which is the highest level, or yeah. you could be playing for this tiny club in the middle of nowhere and, while it, and playing inter-county. It might be domestic, and you may be playing in a Northern Ireland final with your county. There's still people in the club who will be... And this is very real for a lot of players, for sure, and I know it sounds kind of stupid, but... There'll be a massive amount of emotional pressure on them yeah. to still go play the club games. Yeah, and it, like Or they'll be kicked off their club panel. Yeah. And a lot of time that will affect their county position then as well, or something, you know. So it's so they'll be expected to pay basically what they'll be expected to do is play like a pro at least, but then also play in their domestic fucking 
or they're like their local yeah their club. local league and local championship so it's a there are huge challenges here right yeah because if you're with an intercounty squad you have uh snc coach a manager a football or hurling coach you then have however many selectors so you've all these guys looking at you who are you're trying to get their best opinions of you that like you're going to be playing at the weekend in front of 50 60 80 thousand people then you have the people at the club at home who are expecting you to go training with 20 other guys yeah who might be nowhere near your level expect you to play games carry the team carry the team and like and you're literally carrying the team like you're talking about you could get guys scoring 80 percent of the points over the course of like yeah four or five games um so so like if you can imagine a scenario where you have a really good county coach and you have a really good strength conditioning coach right and um they've let's say they're they're really good right and they've they've really thought about your workload and the strength and they've worked with the strength conditioning coach and they both of them have, have like worked out your volume the amount of running you'll be doing and then you've you've wearing your like your gps tracker and you know how much you're running and you have the data and they're gathering the data this is an ideal scenario now of course and this doesn't happen all the time <laughs> of course not <laughs> and then you go home and then you you go to your club and you have to go to training you yeah. have to show up for matches so then you go home to training and you're uh your club coach is like right, twenty laps there to pitch so for warm up or something yeah, or five laps. Something or, stupid. You know, but a running tight lads conditioning's not great, like you know. Yeah. And then let's say you'll have a max of um ten K a week of running on the pitch, say. Is that yeah? Probably like let's so intercounty yeah championship week they're looking at up to thirty K. So let's see if thirty K, right? Yeah. And that thirty K is your like maximum recoverable. Like that's yeah. the most you can do, and that's what the data show on average that where injuries start occurring after most people start running over thirty k, say. And then you go back to your two club sessions a night and you game and you end up running an extra twenty k. Yeah. Sure. This is only leading one way, I suppose. So injury. You, so it's very important for you if you're the strength the conditioning coach is to not be adding to the lads. Yeah. Or ladies. Volume, I suppose, non-productive volume. So you want the least amount of fluff in your sessions. I think it's a lot of times you're undervalued realistically oh, look, I'd say a huge amount of the time you're undervalued and if you're well valued by a coaching staff you're not well valued by the people who run the club no definitely no. not you know and you're almost you're almost trying to justify your position yeah and if if I had somebody in that position asking my advice I'd say just don't don't don't, don't. like if you've if you're at their games watching their games and you have some old guy or old woman from the stand or a guy who stopped playing 10 years ago and he's like, oh, I don't know, look, what's the point? You have them in doing gym sessions twice a week. And sure, running like- yeah, sure. We never did any of that in our day. Or, yeah. Oh, look, the, look, there's loads of the, oh, this fellow's injured now and that's because he's in the gym. Like, yeah. just don't have the conversation. No. Just like, oh, you're dead right. Yeah. And walk away. And, yeah. And, you're not if you're an SNC coach you're not there to make friends mm-hmm. and you're not it's not a community thing for you it's not no you might be coaching for your local club but you're not there to because that's your social outlet no 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 you know it's and like you see you see coaches going 
out socializing with the teams a lot and like there's differing opinions on that but that's not why you're there no you know you're there to to progress athletes you're there first of all to protect athletes and make them yeah you need to be looking out for them a lot more resilient injury and you need to be like more than likely if you're involved with an amateur sport you have people coaching who don't have huge amounts of knowledge about human physiology training adaptation and how much volume people can handle and of course that's not to discount 20 years of coaching experience no not at all and like us as strength and conditioning coaches might know nothing about how the structure plays mm-hmm. or you you don't know anything right no nope. you might be going into a sport where no sir but like you might be going into a sport that you've never even seen before yeah literally yeah and like you're like obviously you have to do a certain amount of of research before you go in or or as you're going through it being like all right this is their needs analysis or that research might be chatting with coaches or chatting with people you know who understand the sport but that's not your job no your job isn't to be like oh why don't you try doing this you know and and it's a lot of the time people get involved obviously it's natural that they get involved with sports they were directly involved with 100 percent um and that line becomes very very blurry between being a rugby coach and being a strength and conditioning coach and like like we were saying there a lot of times you're just trying to prevent injury or recover from injury yeah so like ideal scenario you've 20 15 fresh players coming into you or you've um you've a shot putter or you've um a thrower or a javelin or a sprinter coming into you ideally everyone's really fresh marathon runner whatever they're in their off season yeah they've no injuries they had a great season mentally they're ready to go all that that'll probably happen less than ninety percent of the time. Most of the time, people are coming in and Way be like, less. "My hip is exploding," <laughs> you know, or they're like, "My back is not great." Or, or they're coming in with like hamstrings torn, ACLs. Yeah. So I'm actually just getting ACL reconstruction this week, and I'll be back to you in two months. Yeah. So I need four weeks left of them. Or you're you're getting them on a Monday morning or Monday evening. They've played a game Saturday or Sunday. They're like, still like patched up where they've been torn apart <laughs> and like literally like yeah. oh I won't be able to bench no today because I have four stitches in my arm Joe like all yeah. this stuff and that, that could be your plan for the next six weeks totally torn could out could be ruined yeah and like you have to to adapt to that like you have to know when it's just like oh like your face of it torn up just get over it like yeah 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 um, but like, then you, you, you have to know you, you, you have to dick. know when to be like okay Let's pivot. You're going to do yeah. power cleans instead or whatever it is. Because there's a good chance they might have those stitches in their hand and be like, yeah, yeah, bench today. And you're like, no, you're not oh, benching. As going, more often than not, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and as an S&C coach, a lot more of the time you're going to be the brakes instead of the accelerator. 100%. And like that, oh, yeah, that's a huge point. You're not, you're dealing with athletes who are inherently driven themselves. That's the, yeah. Because they're not going to be doing the sport if they're not driven. Not at this level. Like no, no, if, no. If they're at a level where they have a strength and conditioning coach, there's a very, very good chance that they're self-driven. Yeah. So, so like, they might not want to be doing those single leg ordeals with a dumbbell or face pulls. Yeah. They might want to be benching because all the other lads are benching. <laughs> but they've had so many rotator cuff injuries or they've broken their collar one so many times or something. Yeah. 
that it's just not really or they look like a gorilla and they walk around with their knuckles dragging off the floor so you, you've got to you like Darcy, you've got to be the brakes and say look you can bench tonight but you've got to do six sets of face pulls first yeah. and we're gonna it's gonna be dumbbell benching you're not gonna be benching with the lads i think as well that's where so when we spoke with this the very start we spoke about yeah that like a culture of openness yeah and like this you is why being, you keep tearing your rotator cuff or yeah. something like that. And you being like, look, lads, I've no bothers with you not doing this. Yeah. But you have to do this instead. Yeah, yeah. Or, no, everybody has to do this tonight. Yeah. Um, that's that's where that becomes so important. Yeah. It's obviously important for the general team dynamic, but it's it's hugely important for the effectiveness as you of you as a coach. For sure. Um, Because they all might come in and they might, like we're saying, you might get them... And they're all absolutely wrecked from yeah. running and loads of drills the night before. And you might have said, okay, tonight's going to be three by tens or whatever yeah. on the back squat. It's just not going to be... No. They're not going to want to do it. You they're not what? physiologically and in terms of their sport. Yeah. They're not going to improve by doing that either. And you will just be in absolute agony watching them <laughs> do horrendous three by tens. I think another really important thing, if you're... So if you're the athlete, right? Yeah. And you're you've worked really hard all season. Your season might be five, six, seven, eight months long. At the end of your season, you have your certain amount of time of a break. Yeah. Take that as your break, and like as a driven younger player, you might be. Oh, I gotta go straight back to training on Monday. Yeah. Take that time to actually have a physical break. And even if you really want to go back to training or really want to start... All the better. Yeah, but like you'll be even more driven afterwards or you'll be even more adherent to your diet or whatever protocols you have in place to whatever you're doing for next season. Um, do take that break. If you're the S&C coach, those two weeks where everybody's off yeah, or those three weeks where everybody's away on holidays, that's your fucking time. Yeah. And that's like, that's your time where you're on your laptop all day working your ass off because when those guys come back to an off season that's when you're the boss like yeah like a hundred percent that's yeah. where like those guys might not see a soccer ball for two months yeah you know or like they're they're certainly not training regularly um with soccer or whatever the sport is so like you can't be going into the first off season session being like okay they're uh everybody hop on a rolling machine we'll start warming up you know yeah yeah it has to be Fun. bang this yeah. is what we're doing this is what we're doing it you need to start with a really really good attitude yeah. and system and structure where people are like oh yeah like we're back at it now yeah it's different to what we we're doing for the last five months or six months or seven months but this is what we're doing now this is what this next two months is going to be like and go from there if you were if you're the athlete on that team on a to get the most out of this like you've got to be first of all you've got to realize to yourself that you may hate gym work or you may love it but if you, there's a good chance you may hate it and you've got to really understand why you're doing it there's you, a very good chance you might hate it like because it's not your sport so for a lot of us listening to this it's you love the gym work is what you just live for like that's what yeah. you want to do so badly but a lot of times if you're that rugby player or you're the soccer player or a hurler or whatever like you you know that you're supposed to be doing it and you have to do it because you the coach has said you won't be on the team if you don't go to like at least three sessions a week or two sessions a week yeah. or whatever 
try realize like try listen to your coach if he explained to you or better yet ask him why yeah ask him why you're doing this one so best thing you can do is write down everything you're doing and write down your numbers each season so you can remember from last season so if you let's say you have a decent strength conditioning coach and you're always doing let's say his go-to exercise for the team is box squats blow parallel touch and go or something and you didn't know last year four years and if you see your numbers are staying the same, you can figure out, you can be like, look, uh, it seems like this is going nowhere. There's a good chance. He should know anyway. But you yourself should know, or better yet, you, you'll know yourself if it's going up. Yeah. And like the psychological win for that, is especially if you hate gym sessions, if you can see that four years ago you're doing 100 for fives and they were shit, and this year you're doing 150 for fives. Yeah. So box shots below parallel. You... Like the psychological win for you there is massive, you know. It also justifies, like, that you're actually getting something from doing these. And and of course, if it's going down, then you've a, you've a data point, and you understand that something is is not working. I suppose. Yeah. Or you can another good aspect, I suppose, or another something you else you should be doing as well is asking him, what should I be doing outside the gym? Yeah. What kind of stuff can I do at home to get better if you're like truly driven? And if you are a driven athlete, you're probably asking him anyway. Yeah. And if he says nothing, do you know what you should do? <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Because a lot of time, this will happen with underage guys, but it'll happen with senior guys as well, or or like um, players who are kind of just breaking through onto a squad. They'll, they'll be really, really driven. And they'll really want to do extra work and they'll really want to be like, they might be the fastest player on the field, but they want to be working to get faster every single day. Yeah. And they'll go from overreaching to overtraining to overtrained. Yeah. Like, Joe, and it's, if, if he it says, slips that it's a very slippery slope. And if, so firstly, right, your S&C coach could just be completely sick of them asking questions and be like, yeah, just stop, look, Joe, go yeah, home, look, stop. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if your coach is telling you you need to just not train, yeah, don't train. If, yeah. Or if they tell you you're doing too much, you're doing too much. If he says, go home and eat two kilos of rice and go to bed two hours earlier than you normally do. Yeah. He's not telling you because... Because it's great crack for him. Yeah. He doesn't care. <laughs> he, he thinks it's the best thing for you to do. Yeah. So it may not always be to do more stuff at home or to do more stuff in the gym. No. Sometimes it might. He might say, look, you're... Um, you could probably do it with some extra set of push-ups twice a week or something. Yeah. Or he might say, more than likely, he'll say, look, your ankles are, well, probably not if you're running, but he might say, your hips are really tight or your thoracic spine is really tight. And if he tells you do something, don't just go, oh, he didn't tell me to do more squats. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> if he tells you roll on this foam roller or do these particular exercises, then give it your best shot because there's a good chance he told you this for a very specific reason and it's probably a problem that might help the rest of your lift. I think what you see a lot of the time, right, is you'll see there's certain things people enjoy doing a lot more than others. Yeah. Um, or, like, there's certain things people really won't like doing. So a lot of people will like doing upper body weights, especially in, like, male populations. They'll like doing benching, benching any, like, benching. pressing, rows, anything like that, like beach weights. Like, it's it's hugely stereotypical, but people like doing it, right? And a lot more, more often than not, when someone comes up to you and they've done upper, upper, or they've done additional training, right? They've done training outside of the, the scope or they've pushed 
further than they should have pushed mm-hmm. or they added 10 kilos instead of adding five kilos or they've done sets of or they've done eight sets instead of four sets they'll have done that if exercises they don't like yeah. that's just that's just what happens it's human nature if you're listening to this as an athlete um, or as a member of the gym or anything like that if you're going up to your coach and asking them should you be doing more of something just before you go and ask be like am i asking this because i really really enjoy doing it or am i asking this because i think it will genuinely make me better to do more of it yep i don't know anybody who's like oh uh should I go home there and stretch my ankles for four hours? <laughs> Do you know, like, yeah. whereas like a load of the time you get guys coming in and they'll have, three of them will have gone to the gym the night before. Yeah. Or like, yeah, usually the night before and they'll have done like five sets of 10 on the bench. And then suddenly when they go to the bench that night or press that night, their shoulders are a bit tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, look, oh we just wanted to get an extra session in. Like those lads didn't go to the field. Yeah. And run 400. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they probably should have done. Yeah, no one's going, um, do you know those, um, you know, those rolling planks you said to do? <laughs> I, I actually did them, you know? Yeah. No one's like, I just, I just, do you know what I love doing is toast the bars at home and my bullet bar. No one, no one does that, you know? Yeah. Nobody's like, oh, nobody's like, oh, I know you maybe said I should be tracking macros and, and I've, I've been taking a surplus of 400 calories of really good clean food a day because that's horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> nobody says that of their own accord usually that's like buddy yeah you need to put on a few kilos there all right like this is what you have to do hold on there and it's not 400 kilos of oreos yeah can't be them or four, 400 kilos 400 uh additional calories of oreos um so yeah that's training with a group we're gonna come back to this at some point definitely yeah um it's difficult it is. It's a it's a lot different pressures coaching people one to one. I think, as coaches, a lot of the time we don't take the time to, to just stop and reflect on, what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's very easy to get into uh, a habit. It's very easy to just go into autopilot, especially in, in like a box style. Gym yeah, and it's the routine is the same. You're coaching the same classes every week, or yeah, or very cl- similar to it. The same people consistently doing the same way it's looking the exact same yeah and it is like it's it's very easy not to be like all right there today you have to make them stretch more joe or like yeah 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 i think this session went really well or i think this session went really bad this is why Mm -hmm. um just being like not even self-critical but self-appraisal is very very important yeah like you have to be willing to admit to yourself that do you know, no one in the gym has gotten that stronger in the last three or four months, realistically. Or nobody looks like, like no one looks like they've lost much weight. Yeah, or you if know? you're if you're in a team setting, be like, we've had twelve hamstring tears this year. Yeah, we had twelve hamstring tears last year. Yeah, have I really improved? Yeah, or if you're looking at your squad and if you have the same and squad, thirty percent of them are out injured, or twenty percent of them are out injured, or you've you've injuries lasting longer than a certain length of time like it's the most human thing ever to be like right that wasn't me yeah or it's the most human thing ever just to to keep tipping away joe just keep showing up keep doing your job yeah um but do because your chances are you're probably overworked and underpaid (laughs) 
you know yeah so it, it can be hard to give it your a all like cause a lot of time your sessions might be early morning and you might be doing sessions late the next night or something like yeah. that and that's not and like you might be trying to train yourself and you're in the gym training yourself and then you're training them all day and while it's easy to think you'll be self-motivated all the time because you're doing your dream job because you, you did you train conditioning is what you want to do bro <laughs> it can be very easy after 10 years or so to be like fuck i'm still getting minimum wage for this shit yeah so. i think as well like the so it doesn't happen with teams as much right but the the thing of like your coach whatever your coach jimmy every single class you have to be on point and you have to be like positive you have to have good cues yeah you have to have make sure people are having a good time and that's very difficult to do you know it's like the salesperson going knocking on everyone's door being told no constantly like it's pretty hard to make burpees motivating for people yeah but you have to be like and like you're probably using the same cue that's not that funny that gets a bit of a chuckle because people feel sorry for you like <laughs> you have to use that same cue four times a day if you're doing four classes every evening yeah, yeah. and then it's like joe you just keep yourself going and keep yourself motivated i think that self-reflection model is incredibly valuable in that case what do you think of um uh, what would you call them test lifts in um like test week and stuff yeah this is mostly for for the team coaches really i suppose like how would you if you're a coach right strength conditioning coach how do you go about picking the most effective test lifts so realistically it's going to be a lift so obviously a test lift or test conditioning event yeah like how do you so obviously you so you go with it so for most people so obviously for some of your players or your athletes or whatever they'll need to be doing they'll need to have had muscle yeah and that'll be plainly obvious yeah but for a lot of them it might be just strength or power they need to increase like so yeah. how do you how would you say like how do you pick with your team what lift you're going to do um so it starts when you start the first time you start looking at devising a training program or a system or whatever it is when you do your needs analysis like the first thing you need to decide is what you want to make better and the second thing you need to decide is how you're going to test if it's getting better or not. So if I want, so say if I've a, if I'm coaching uh, a basketball team, and I need better agility scores for my athletes. So if the if the coaches come to me and if like you'll have like your meeting of like your coaches and your physios and your whatever it is, and they've said look, the players look sluggish this year. We need higher agility scores. So when you're devising a training protocol, you have to say what's going to make them more agile. Yep. And that'll be like a few components you'll add into your sessions or you might have two specific agility sessions each week. And then you're going to look at picking something. So like an Illinois T-test is a good test of agility. Uh, you'll go to like... Because like for the strength, like it's it's very nice to think that you could do... A one arm deadlift, one arm bench, and a one arm squat with all the lads. Yeah, that's but not. This is not feasible, realistic. It's also probably not important. Yeah. Um, and testing sessions at the start of an off season and at the end of an off season are nice, right? There, people get highly motivated. People see good progression. Yeah. They also might not see good progression, and that might be nothing to do with yeah. the training program itself. That might be 
Jesus, Jimmy broke up with his girlfriend on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. And then he went on the piss on Friday. Yeah. And then on Saturday, he played a game of five side and he got a bit of a bang. And now it's Monday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jimmy's squat's been going great for eight weeks. Yeah. And now his squat's way down. You know, like... Fuck <laughs> But, like, I think... So you've picked what you need to improve. I also think you need to be very, very realistic with what you're going to improve. And if you want people to become more agile but also gain five kilos in body weight, those things are going to directly negatively affect each other. And so they're probably not two good things to pick. Yeah. You might be, you might say, I want to keep consistent agility scores yeah. and consistent speed scores, which will, while they gain weight, which will mean they have to work a lot on speed and agility and you'll have to test it consistently. But they're not going to improve there because they're gaining five kilos of lean mass. Yeah. Or what, it won't be lean mass, but whatever it is, you need to say, maybe we'll pick three things over the course of an off-season. And then we're going to say, will those things negatively or positively affect each other? Mm-hmm. If I'm saying, I want absolute strength to be high and speed to be high, those things will very, very well. Like, they'll complement each other really well. Yeah. If I'm saying, I want work capacity to be high and... uh high rep sets on back squats to be high yep. those things are going to really really complement each other quite well yep. like but it's obviously you're not going to do something then like I want the lads aerobic capacity to be massive and then I want their one around deadlift to be yeah. 10 kilos higher than it was at the yeah, start yeah, the season, yeah. you know, like you need to be realistic I also think your job as a strength and conditioning coach or a physical trainer um, or as an athlete who's programming himself or herself for an off-season, your job is to speak with the actual sport coaches and be like, this is attainable, this isn't attainable. You can't expect all your players to come back four kilos lighter, yet be stronger. That's not going to happen. No. Um. So do you need to pick something that's measurable, Pick something that's applicable and important to the sport. And then you have to pick a number of things that aren't going to really, really negatively affect each other. Okay. How long was that? It's an hour and 37 minutes. Marvellous. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, guys. Have we anything to tell anyone? Um, who's, who's got this? Yeah. Oh, the website's being tested. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll probably run... So we'll probably need a few people that test it so we'll probably do a little little discount yeah for people who want to test it that'll probably when are you going to put this up uh tomorrow night so maybe by wednesday yeah by the end of this week we'll have a few you'll people. see something on the instagram page um so if you're looking to get a program we'll just need to do some test purchases and stuff with the website and we want to try and troubleshoot it before we open it up to the public and then get a barrage of hateful emails yeah it didn't work <laughs> or the website crashes or something yeah so we'll be looking for some people to test and we'll give the few people who do get tested um, a little discount yeah I think it's only fair that's it um, anything else important so of course we have our usual programs the programs the programs um, let's list off we'll go every second program until we run out alright so I'm gonna go seek a strength off season field athlete 
Seeker powerlifting. Seeker weightlifting. Seeker strength for fitness athletes. The big one. Seeker back squat or road to anywhere. Seeker road anywhere back squat program. Coming in the future will be bodybuilding for weightlifters. Yeah. Specifically for weightlifters. Body armoring. Body, we're going to call it bodybuilding for arm, weightlifting. <laughs> body armoring weightlifting for b- bodybuilders. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to have our super total. Yeah. That's the big hitter. That's the bigger hitter. And then, I don't know, is demand for a deadlift only? I think it is. Yeah, there seems to be a demand for a press only one as well. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. That seems to be a big one. Especially strict press. Benching and stricting. Stricting. So, um, definitely. So, obviously, these will be sort of like our deadlift only and our strict only will be like the road to anywhere. It'll be eight to ten yeah. weeks once off. So some lad actually, I don't know if anyone saw on the Instagram, but it's definitely by far the biggest PB we've gotten off anyone doing the road anywhere. Oh my God, it was gigantic. Five, so it was 10 kilos over his previous 1RM. So he did 100, was it 150 kilos for five reps. So he, he, so he did, basically he did, he's 10 kilos over, over his 1RM for five reps. Yeah. Which is... It's legit. They're not lightweight either, you know? No. Like it's not like Tashiki squatting 300, but it's like... It's also not going from 80 kilos to 90 kilos. No doubt. Um, and then we've had people on the powerlifting program. So we had, as if you've probably seen the story this week as well, it was just fresh in my mind from yesterday or Saturday. He added, f- so he was ran three blocks of the Sika powerlifting and he added 15 kilos to his back squat and he added 10 kilos to his bench. It's legit. They're legit gains. Very legit. Four days a week consistent just as as like so obviously we're always there for people coaching as part of the programs but like he just went after it he didn't complain about anything yeah just asked us some things and lo and behold he made the gains put his head down and did the work make it the gains make it the gains <laughs> um so if you just want to find us so soon it'll be the website you can get those programs but for now at seek strength on instagram you've listened to this through another channel realistically you've probably gotten here because you already know us yeah or if not you've like maybe come via another playlist which has happened you can actually see how many of the stats has it yeah you can see Jeez, related related plays and stuff like that yeah um okay thanks okay. for listening if anyone wants to sponsor the podcast shoot us an email as well oh yeah we're kind of in talks with it with two sponsors at the moment and uh, oh don't forget about the Patreon oh yeah the Patreon. Patreon so we're up to 20 Patreons at the moment which is which is 20 more than we deserve <laughs> <laughs> oh and don't forget to the YouTube so we're starting making YouTube videos um, YouTube videos will be less frequent for a while because it takes a lot longer to make YouTube videos and we don't want to put out too much sh- we don't want to put out shit YouTube videos so obviously we want to put out as much as we can but it takes a while to video and yeah. um, we'll have some more stuff and if you're looking for articles to read LinkedIn. For us, it's very easy to put up articles there, and you you don't actually have to connect with us on LinkedIn. You can just follow us on LinkedIn. So currently, our um, our first article up is attacking a new one RM session. Great article. Great article. Great picture. Written by the girl. So if you want to go read that, it's very easy. Just find Seek Strength on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not sure, and I should know this, but I don't know if you need an account to read it. I would assume on LinkedIn. You actually no, you don't. I don't think you need an account to see okay. that. So I think you can go read that without an account. Okay. And if you do like it and you do have an account, it does help if you either 
So as with all of our things, if you share them on your Instagram stories or podcasts or your or articles or videos or you'd like them, it is annoying to ask, but it, it does actually help us a bit. It does genuinely help us. And uh, we'll appreciate it forever. If you're wondering about the Patreon, it's uh, people, so it's currently just $2 or €2. Euro. Uh, some people give more, which is, we're very grateful as well. Yeah. But um, we do appreciate any €2. Euro yeah. Because, like we said in the past, that's... Currently you're paying for the batteries. But like so, so that's that's not really for at the moment. That's just for the the podcast. And if we can, yeah. I suppose if we can justify an income source from that, we can spend a lot more time on the podcast, which we do very much like doing. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs>